0: Log Talk Radio
1: Good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome to Reconnect My Heart Podcast, the show that we talk about life's problems that may break or tear our hearts apart. On Reconnect My Heart, we discuss God's answers to life's problems to reconnect our hearts back to the way he originally made us. I'm your host, Brother Prade. I'm so glad y'all are able to join us. If you have any questions, comments, or if you just want to listen to the show, feel free to call me at 516-453-9118. That's 516-453-9118. Or you can listen online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash ReconnectMyHeart. Or you can go to our Facebook page on the Brother Prater as well as for those who may want to look at it on uh, my website. is ReconnectMyHeartPodcast.com. That's ReconnectMyHeartPodcast.com. I want to go ahead and start with the show. We have a very, very, very um, couple of great couple of guests that are here. We want to go ahead and uh, get started. Our episode today, in honor of Domestic Violence Awareness Month, we have some very special guests to share with us their personal stories and tips to help us overcome domestic violence and much more in the episode called Free at Last, Free at Last. Helping others to overcome domestic violence. So without further moment do I wanna first uh allow Miss Lynn Mayer to come on at this time. How you doing today, ma'am?
2: I'm doing wonderful,
1: thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I wanna first of all thank you so much for um allowing us to have the time with you and um Mm -hmm. First, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself, tell the people about yourself and um, also what where you at.
2: Um, first of all, I want to say thank you for this platform, for your platform, for this opportunity. Thank you for allowing me to be a guest on your show. Um, I would be remiss if I did not do that. And so thank you so much um, for allowing me to share who I am, who I help, and what I do. So I am Lynn Meyer, the HRT coach, which stands for Healing, Restoration, and Transformation. I have been in the field of mental health for 23 years as a licensed professional counselor. So I have seen all types of people, families, individuals, but uh, most recently, about 15 years ago, I started working with women of color, um, specifically black women, but women of color that have dealt with domestic violence and also sexual abuse. as a child or also in their childhood. And so I help them overcome trauma. I also help them feel safe and sexy in their bodies and in their emotions. So um, right now that's what I'm doing, but I'm also seeing clients um, as well. Um, So I think that's a little bit about me until we we actually get into the questioning. I don't want to give too much until you allow me to speak.
1: No, no, no. Number one, I thank you. Um, I know that – this this topic is so 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 important. There's so many layers, and um, especially by you having the uh, the expertise that you have and the people that you've um, spoken with that really helped them. Um, how first of all, is this something that is often overlooked in communities? This uh, particular topic of domestic violence. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. And so, let me answer with this. Um, When you become a particular age, you need to start wearing glasses. And so, yeah, so I had to put my glasses on. I do want to give some information um, statistics by answering your question with this. On average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by their intimate partner. One in four are women and one in nine are men. One in three women and one in four men have experienced some type of physical violence. 1 in 7 and 1 in 25 men have been injured by their partner. Um, and then 1 in 4 and also 1 in 7 have been victims of severe violence. I could go on and on about this, but I just wanted to say these are just the ones that have reported. As we know, women report more than men, um, and I think that that's something that we have done like we we make men feel ashamed when things happen like oh my god you letting that woman beat you up or you letting that person beat you up so i feel like that's the reason why the men's uh reports are so low with the statistics but these are statistics that are very alarming and so to answer your question this is happening in our community not just our black and brown community but it's happened happening to us all there's no discrimination when it comes to um intimate partner violence or domestic violence, however you want to look at it. There's no discrimination with that. Um, this is a problem that we all have. There is no um, race. There is no color. There is no gender. There, It happens just so much. Um, and also, it's not just when people see um, in marriages. It happens in, in um, girlfriend-boyfriend relationships. It happens like um, different relationships, maybe how should I say that are not committed, malicious um, where they are together, but it does happen so often that people are just not talking about it because they feel like, um, especially if you're married, how can it happen when you're married? But it definitely happens in that um, realm as well. So it's something that we just, we don't talk about. It. We don't want to talk about it because no one wants to do anything about it. That's my opinion on that. Um, people are afraid to leave, the man and woman, like people are afraid to leave and those that get involved are afraid to help. So that's how I would answer that question.
1: Yes. And and you know, um one of the things that I'm learning and please correct me, but oftentimes we will, when we hear domestic violence, we automatically think that it's just physical. Go but ahead. isn't domestic isn't domestic violence more than physical? It's
2: more than physical. Okay. Give me just a second. Domestic violence is more than just physical. Domestic violence is anything that really um, sets you up where you feel like you now are being controlled by that person. It can be financial, um, spiritual, there's, like, technical um, domestic violence, I mean, violence. There's so many ways that you can be violated. It's not just physical. And that's the thing. When people say, oh, he didn't hit me, but if he's verbally abusive to you or she's verbally abusive to you, she doesn't allow you to go um, anywhere. You're her only friend. He's your only friend. You're isolated. You can only go to work. You can only go to church, whatever. That's abuse. That's domestic violence. It's not just the physical thing. And I think that that's why um a lot of people may not report that as well because it's like, Oh, so I don't know I don't have this. I just he just tells me I can't go anywhere. Well that's domestic violence. So yes, it's not just physical. It's all those things that I listed and then some that I did not list.
1: Yes, you know, um the funny thing when we when we well when I was told about domestic violence mm-hmm. I always I always thought that it happened because that person may have done something oftentimes we would hear well you know they did something or maybe if they were if they would change if they would help that person to do this to do that then maybe it won't happen you know it, i guess that's one of those uh what's called um uh, the myths or uh, misconceptions that we often hear about and, and especially me working in the jail I hear so many stuff, so many stories where there might have been, let's just say, the male abusing a young lady, and let thing you know, a few minutes later, <clears throat> a few days later, we see that young lady coming up there to the courtroom trying to fend for her, and he, she has a black eye, you know, or, you know, she trying to come up there, to, well, you know, I don't want to press charges, you know, um... For, I guess, for the outside looking in, we can easily tell that person, you just need to leave that person alone and, and leave it alone for good. Just don't mess with them. But is it hard for them to actually leave? Is it, uh, how difficult, I just asked that, how difficult it is for that person to leave from the outside looking in for someone who may just say, well, they can easily leave. But uh, by you counseling some of them, how difficult has it been for them to leave?
2: No, so I I know you have other guests coming on. Um, like Flora, she works with with um, an agency, and I'm pretty sure she has more information about this. But I would say this: um, it takes a person um at least seven times before they actually leave. It is so difficult <clears throat> for anyone to leave that situation because they are now in the mindset of. He's going to kill me. She's going to kill me. What about my children? I have nowhere to go. I have no money. I don't have a job. Nobody's going to help me. Nobody's going to support me. Nobody's going to believe me. Um, believe it or not, there are a lot of people that leave the situation, but they then they go back for various reasons. They may go back because, oh, out here on my own, without the person that, that is actually being abusive to them, I don't have anything. At least he was taking care of the household. At least she was buying me groceries. At least I had um, health insurance. If me leaving, I have none of that. So they may return for that. Or they may return, they may get out there and say, oh my God, this is too hard. I can't do this, I gotta go back. Or they may just be so afraid of looking over their shoulders so many times and saying, you know what? It's just best if I just go back. Because at least I know he's in the other room or she's in the other room. And I don't want to continue to look like that, or I don't want to continue to look on my shoulder a lot of times it has to do with that and children um, what if he goes to the school and hurts my children, or if I don't go back and he hunts them like it's just it's so much, but it's it's not easy to leave A lot of times people don't leave because there may not be a safety plan, there may not be another plan like they they may not have passports um in other areas, driver's license, money's a statuate different bank account like they may not have all that in place and not even know that that is an option to do so that's that's where support comes in that's where help comes in, so yeah, it's not easy to leave um and I think that's the reason why people don't um but they have left several times and have gone back um uh, most most of the people that I have worked with that's exactly what happened. They have left several times, and people say, you should just go back. You know, you're having it hard, and you, you should just go back. And when they don't have support from the outside person, um, then usually they do go back.
0: Hmm.
1: Wow. Yeah. And, and you know what? Um, even just hearing the stories, um, like I said, a lot of times we hear from the ladies' uh, standpoint, but um, have you witnessed any guys maybe seeking for help pertaining to domestic violence?
2: Absolutely. So usually when I come, when I have dealt with gentlemen that have dealt with domestic violence, like you said, um, it may be some physical, it may be some physical, but a lot of times it's the verbal that they're willing to admit. Um, I usually believe that it is some type of physical, but for them to admit that part, it's usually the verbal. They, they'll they say, she talks to me mean, she talks to me nasty, Uh, She talked down to me, those type of things. Um, Not many had admitted, um, definitely not in the beginning, that they were being abused physically by their girlfriends or by um, their wives because women can be just as abusive to men like men are to women. As I stated before, it's just a lot of times men don't want to report that because out of um, shame, you know. We, as society, tell men they're supposed to be hard and strong and, um, you know, a, a supporter and, like, big giants, big superheroes, and then you're saying, oh, but she abuses me. You know, I'm in a d- domestic violence situation. they would be like, you a, you a punk, you a chump, you, you know, you a wuss, you all those things that, that people would say, like, why would you let her beat you? Why would you let her talk to you like that? So I really feel like that's the reason why. And if I'm to go into not just a relationship of a man and a woman, a lot of relationships, um, same-sex relationships, are going through the very same thing. So and then with that too, they will probably be ashamed with that as well. Uh, You let this man beat you and then goes into, well, why are you in this type of relationship? So it's so many reasons people don't report. And I would say if you're not – in the position of supporting that person, then don't say anything at all because they already feel bad, they already feel, te- feel terrible, they already feel a certain way about the situation, about themselves, and you telling them that they're not smart, they should know better. All the negative things that people say when they don't understand the situation like it's just best to really keep your mouth closed.
1: Okay, so, um Let's just say for someone that may be looking to see if there are some signs that we can see for us to be able to identify Mm -hmm. someone that may be a victim of domestic violence or someone that may be an abuser. Um, What signs do we look for, for us to be able to kind of Mm -hmm. uh, watch out for?
0: So let me
2: just give you a little bit of story. And within this story, you'll be able to understand. So my father, Um, was very abusive to my mom. Her entire, hmm, I think they got married when she was 20. But the entire relationship, the entire marriage, he was very abusive to her. My dad tried to take my mom's life several times um, before I was born. And then also when I became, when when I was born, Um, he wasn't as abusive, but he was still very abusive. So what that looks like is that my dad was very charming very charismatic in front of other people, you know most 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 of the people that are very abusive are like that, so he was very charismatic, um he was very friendly, like people love my dad um on the outside, like he seemed like like a really, really nice guy, but on the inside um he was very abusive, very um condescending like not not a nice person at all. So it can look like that from the person that, that is the perpetrator or the abuser. They can be very charming. They can be very friendly. Like, they, they're they usually very likable people uh, because they pretend very, very well. And then on the side of the victim, my mom was a victim, and people, um, I would say people in the church, and if you want to talk about that, I can go back to that too. But on the outside, my mom was very um, – She seemed like sheepish, very passive. All she really could do was go to work and to church. She had a few friends, but the friends were only at work. Um, My my dad wouldn't allow her to do much of anything. Like he would um, let her go to the grocery store and buy things like for the household, things like that. But I never really saw my mom have a life outside of my dad unless it was something that was allowed. And I will give you um, another example. It was about 10 Ten years ago, 12 years ago, uh, we all had gone to a family um, vacation, and my mom was on the phone with my dad, and she was, like, crying, and we didn't understand what was going on. my dad was, like, screaming at the top of his lungs that you should bring your home because he was very abusive with his words, and his, his mouth was very foul. So he would say, you should bring your home. And she was like, but you said I could go. And we all looked at my mom like, what? This is still going on. And so it looks like that. It looks like a relationship that may maybe on the outside, oh, he's such a he's such a great provider. He's such a good hustler. He's so this, he's so that. And then the victim or the person that's going through that can definitely be looking like that person is has all has everything together. But it's it's the signs you really gotta look for. Um I would say if you see if you notice anybody um, that's changing or has has changed a pattern or has changed clothing and hairstyle, like anything can be subtle. Like really ask questions, really be interested in that. Um, even if you feel like you as you, you can't help, but you know how to get that person help. Ask that person um, if you see any change. I mean anything. From their food, from their clothing, from their hair, to the way they speak, to the what they drive, their their work schedule, any of that, like please ask us all those to be red flags.
1: Uh, uh, thanks. <clears throat> Thank you. you know, um, stuff like this it makes us evaluate the people that we may have uh, encountered in the past, especially like you mentioned, especially within the church. I think that's one of the places we often overlook. Um, I just say I know a lot of people that have been ministers and when I go to work, <clears throat> they're on my floor. I used to, um, I worked the, uh, the sexual abuse floor, the sexual abuse floors and I have, I've seen a lot of ministers, a lot of um, pastors that are in there and sometimes some of them may even have to uh file as uh sex offenders, you know um also, I do have to show this real quick, and i don't wanna I don't wanna keep you on here, but oftentimes people just think about even rape, even rape rape doesn't just happen outside of marriage rape happens within the marriage also uh can you elaborate on that, please?
2: So I've been asked this question a lot, and yeah, it happens all the time, and I will go back. I'll just start back with the church. Let me go back what I was saying before. The, um, the people at the church knew my dad was beating my mom, and no one did anything. So when they say, pray about it, God God is going to help you, we understand God can do all things. We understand that, but my mom did not need prayer, and she needed help. And a lot of times when, when people hear me say that, they're like, oh, oh, my God. I'm a Christian. I'm 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 a servant of the Lord. I understand that. But they knew she was in trouble and no one wanted to do anything about it. So I have a I have a problem with that. If you see something going on, um do not tell a victim to pray about it only. Yes, please pray. Please by all means pray. Um, but get them some help too. So um, going to that, I would say also in the Bible, you know, where it says the woman's body is of the man, <clears throat> when 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 we get married, because I'm married, when we get married, then my body no, lo- no longer belongs to me, it belongs to my husband. That's how, paraphrasing, that's how it's presented. And so if that is being taught, then also the person that is the abuser can use that and say, your body belongs to me. You don't get to say, we don't have sex tonight. You don't get to say, your head is hurting or you don't feel well. You don't get to say that. I don't care what's going on with you. I'm going to take what's mine. This belongs to me. And so um, that happens so often in marriages that I can't even count anymore because it has been presented to me multiple times that that has happened. And I'm really trying to keep things very educational, but also not so explicit. So it it happens more than what people think it happens and what more and, and they don't want to say, they don't want to report that because this is my husband, this is my spouse, how do I go to the police and say, um, he raped me uh, I said no, but he still forced himself on me because a lot of people, like I say, if it goes back to the Bible, a lot of people are going to say, well, he's your husband. You're supposed to have sex with him. Um, Wives, spouses, you can tell your spouse, no. If your spouse forces themselves on you, that is not right. It is not right for anybody to force themselves on you. I don't care if it's your spouse. I don't care if it's your girlfriend, boyfriend. I do not care who it is. If you do not want to have sex, if you do not want to have intercourse, you do not have to. And you can start off wanting. You can start off wanting and being in the place where you want to receive. And in in the midst of, you can say, "Uh uh-uh, I changed my mind and that person is to honor you without forcing themselves on you. So, without getting too graphic, that's how I would explain it. Yeah.
1: Great job. Thank you. Thank you. Now, uh if you don't mind, for those who may want to get in contact with you, first of all, for those who may be watching or listening, uh what closing remarks would you like to leave them with?
2: Well, I definitely wanted to um I definitely wanted to give give information on, let me go back. So there's a hotline. Um, I just had it.
1: Oh,
2: gosh. The Domestic Violence Hotline. I just pulled it up. Let me go back. I'm sorry. Okay, here it is. So for those that um, are needing the hotline, it is 800-799-7233. And if you need to text, what you will text is, you will text START, the word START, S-T-A-R-T, um, and to the number 88788. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that those had um, that number. Again, the the hotline number would be 800-799-7233. Um, the closing words to this, I just wanted to say that if you are in the position um where this is your experience, go to someone that you trust. I don't care if it is a best friend, a doctor, a therapist, um, a I don't care who it is. Go to somebody that you trust, that you know, that can help you get the plan going, you know, for you to be safe. Now, again, it is so important to be safe in this situation if you have to get your plan together and it takes you a little bit longer do that be safe because if anybody if you're if the abuser of anyone knows that you're trying to leave it can be very dangerous so be safe you want to make sure you have different documents and everything but also i want you to know that if you are going through this um it is not your fault you are not stupid. You're not crazy. Not all those things that people are saying. Um, it is, um, if you um, want to reach out to me, you can definitely reach out at uh, my website, which is um, www.lenmeyer, which is dot com, And you can schedule a call with me. You can talk to me. You can ask me questions. Um, and that is a, a way to reach out to me through my website. But if you want to follow me on Instagram, it is the HRT Coach, T H E H R T Coach, and you can follow me there.
1: Thank you so so much. Number one, it's my honor to have you on, and I'm um, praying for you, praying for your ministry, praying for the little congestion i think it's going i think it's going on there but you know even in the midst i thank god that you're here and you did not let that stop you you know Mm -hmm. and so um we thank you and just know that in a way we could be of help in a way i could be of help no time here so i thank you so much
2: thank you so much thank you for having me i appreciate being here and if there's any questions after i leave um, for me, just let me know, um, and I can answer those, and you can, like, maybe give it back to the people on the podcast or whatever we need to do. But I'm very passionate about helping helping those heal from domestic violence and sexual abuse because these are things that happen so much in our lives and in our culture and in, in our neighborhoods. Like, it's happening right now as we talk about it, and people that experience this want to heal from it, and you can so healing, restoration, and transformation are all possible. So just know that. And they are possible for you.
1: Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. And continue to do the great job that you're doing. Okay. Once again, that will miss Leah Myers. Thank God for her even allowing us to be able to just pick our brains and just know that this topic is so important and we want to, make sure that we take this very seriously and never never assume that well it will never happen to this person or that person it can happen to anyone you know and right now i want to uh have our next guest on here a young lady that i've got a chance to meet and very intelligent young lady miss Flo. at this time how you doing today ma'am miss flora
0: how you doing, Dr.
1: Yes. Creator? I'm doing great. Yes, ma'am. Hear you well. Hear you well. Um, thank you so much for um, coming on. And uh, for those who um, may not know you, can you introduce yourself, please?
0: Absolutely. My name is Flora Lewis. And, um, oh, crap. Oh, i Can you hear me now? Uh, yes, I'm back. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. So my name is Flora Lewis, and I'm new to the Dallas uh, area. I'm from Florida originally. I've been here for about six months now. I work in the domestic violence field. I've actually been doing the work um, for 11 years now. I started off as a volunteer at one of my local domestic violence centers in Florida, and I've kind of just fell in love with the work. I'm I'm also a survivor of domestic violence and sexual abuse um, in my childhood and adulthood as well. Um, And I've been, like I said, I've been doing the work for 11 years, and I'm currently working um, as a director of domestic violence programs for Mosaic Family Services here in Dallas, Texas. So uh, thank you so much, Brother Prater, for having me on. I really appreciate you allowing me to use this platform, your platform, to share my story, um, to share some of the knowledge that I've gained throughout the years in working in this field, um, and to hopefully plant a seed in someone um, you know, that, that, that may be going through domestic violence tonight or may know someone that's going through it.
1: Yes, it's my honor, and especially uh, from you coming from one area to another. Um, is it pretty much the same in the same area i mean in in the different areas are they pretty much the same or is it uh maybe in one one place it may be different than the other or, are they all the same
0: as far as domestic violence yes in ma'am
1: the, as far as domestic violence yes ma'am yeah
0: so i you know so first let me say that domestic violence is not only a communal issue it's a side it's a societal issue and it's a global issue Domestic violence is impacting us in so many different ways all over the world, right? And, um, yes, coming to Dallas because – well, Dallas is a much bigger city than where I came from. I I originally came from Tallahassee, Florida, which is more rural than uh, the Dallas city here. Um, So, yes, the the, the rates here are higher. Um, And uh, I can say, though, that the way that domestic violence is – being navigated through here in, in Texas is a little bit different um, than the way that we navigate with, you know, through domestic violence cases in Florida. I would say that I think Texas and, and this is not, I mean, I mean this in the most nicest way, Texas is still a little bit behind on the work, um, you know, when it comes to domestic violence. And so, I you know, I moved here to Dallas because you know, this was my purpose. God, I'm walking my purpose, and I, you know, if you would have asked me in 2023 if I, you know, plan on being here in Dallas, I would have never said yes. I mean, that this was not on my radar. God moved me here, and I really believe that he moved me here to help raise awareness and to really help enhance some of the programs that they have here in Texas for domestic violence. Okay,
1: okay. Yes, thank you. <clears throat> now, um by us being uh behind and like I am learning, and I feel that oftentimes the only way for us to be able to know if, if we ask. But unfortunately, sometimes we don't ask because if it doesn't happen within my little circle, it's not happening at all. That, I think that's how uh, some people may see things. But um, if you don't mind even sharing the difference between uh, what you see here versus what you saw uh, where you were at, at first.
0: Well, I was referencing to, um, you know, domestic violence being different, the way that we've navigated through domestic violence in Florida, being different here in Dallas um, in regards to programs, the way that we run our programs. Um, And so one of the things that I have noticed even calling some of the other shelters here in Dallas, Texas, uh, because I've called them, you know, just to kind of see how they're running their hotline department, which is one of the programs that I see in domestic violence, is that when you're calling these hotlines, you don't have um, a whole lot of Uh, safety planning. So in other words, when you're calling a hotline seeking assistance for domestic violence, for example, if a shelter is full and they don't have any availability for you to come in, uh, what I've been seeing is that shelters are just saying, we don't have any availability, let me give you some other resources, which is great. You always want to have resources, but you also want to make sure that you safety plan with that person because when that person is calling in through the hotline, just because they're safe in that moment doesn't mean that when they hang up the phone, they're going to continue to be safe. So you want to create a safety plan that helps that that you know that will aid that survivor that victim to remain safe in their situation while they're while while they're trying to get out of that situation and get into a more safer, and get into a safe place. So that's one of the examples.
1: Okay, 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 understandable. Exactly. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, and you know what? Um, even just sharing that, oftentimes, let's just say. For us, we may have someone to tell us that, you know, um, we need some help, and it's easy for us to just tell them, hey, go to a shelter. And oftentimes, that's, that's where we stop at. We just tell them to go to a shelter, but we don't follow through the see Did they actually receive help from the shelter. So I, I never thought about that. Um, we just, I guess, on my part, I just looked at, well, maybe if I just – tell them where the shelter was or uh, tell them, hey, go here, go there, um, that they would take care of everything. But uh let's just say for someone who may want to support some shelters or some um some form of assistance, what is what can we do for those who just if you want to say common folks, uh, what can we do to help make sure that shelters and other places have the things that are needed to be able to provide assistance for people doing domestic violence?
0: Absolutely. Thank you for asking. So, you know, the majority of shelters um, that provide services for uh, domestic violence, sexual abuse, or even human trafficking, they're nonprofits. So they're running off of government funding. So donations are always awesome. So there's anything, whether it's your time coming, coming in to empower survivors, whether it's, you know, giving away some, of you know, used items in your closet, whether it's, you know, bringing in some canned goods and some foods. I mean, just think of anything that your basic necessities that that you would need for your everyday living. The survivors are needing those things too, because a lot of times when they're escaping domestic violence, they're leaving everything behind. I mean, all of their clothes, their food, I mean, everything you can think of, your basic essentials, you know, even the things that, you know, are not basic, that mean a lot to you, they're leaving all of that behind. So, you know, whatever you, you know, um, can think of that you would you know use in your own home or things that you know you would need in your daily life this is what survivors are in need of as well too so one of the ways to support your local shelters is by donations whether it's monetary whether it's just you know um through tangible items those are two of the major ways that you could definitely assist in um your your local domestic violence centers okay
1: okay yes yeah, thank you <clears throat> you know i um uh, yeah, all
0: right i did want to say that um when well, we're talking about domestic violence and the effects that it has, um, the impact that it has on uh, people, your community, um, you know, uh, you have to remember that when you're talking about a victim and, a, and an abuser, right? Um, these, either the victim or the abuser, at some point, they were they were they were raised in a home where they saw violence, and the long-term effects of domestic violence is one of the long-term effects is that you either become a victim or you become a perpetrator, right? And so when we're talking about ending domestic violence, I think one of the biggest things that we miss, like working with the survivor is definitely important. It's essential. But remember that even the abuser at some point was a child who grew up in a home where there was violence present. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't hold them accountable. They need to be held accountable. But what I am saying is that They're human as well, and they need help. And when we're talking about ending domestic violence, working with survivors is a good thing, but it's still surface work. If we're going to get down to the root cause of the issue, we have to help the perpetrators because somewhere they learned this behavior, some way they saw it. And so we have to build more programs for perpetrator accountability. And that's one of the biggest things that we're lacking when it comes to doing this work, you know, programs for perpetrators. And so... As Ms. Lynn was sharing earlier, domestic violence is not an anger man. I mean, you know, it's a it's not an anger management issue, because for example, when there's um, a, a man and I say I'm just using the term you know man right now, but we know that domestic violence can happen to anyone, right? It's not gender bias. It can happen to a male, female, and, and you know, in any race, any social economic status, any of that, right? So, when we're talking about um you know, anger management versus perpetrator accountability There's a difference because with anger management, the reason why it's not an anger management issue is because with anger management, when law enforcement comes out, for example, the moment law enforcement comes out, this, this abuser, this perpetrator can answer the door with the most calm and collect demeanor. But just 10 minutes ago, he was raised in hell in that home. So he knows how to turn it off and turn it on. Ms. Lynn shared that earlier that, you know, a lot of times when it comes to perpetrators, Especially like in your friend circles, as, you know, you're, you know when, when you begin to reveal that, oh, you know, my husband or my boyfriend or, you know, such and such did this to me. In your friend circles or in your family circles, people are in shock to even hear this news. Why? Because the perpetrator does not act like this around them. They never seen them act this way. So it's not an anger management issue because, you know, anger management is a, is a person who just explodes at any moment at any time. And it doesn't matter. There's no control over it. You can't control that. But a person who can control it, that's not anger management. That's a lack of accountability and a having enough programs to hold perpetrators accountable.
1: That's good. And, that, and that's true. You know, oftentimes we don't, we don't talk about that often. Um, I had someone a couple of years ago. I had someone to uh, come to me on my job. It was an inmate. It was an inmate that came to me and told me, um, hey, man, uh, I want to tell you. Thank you and I look, and I ask him, you know, what was he talking about, and kind of find out, without going to, I guess, the specifics, he just said that um, he heard me talking to a group of guys, and he said he was, at at that moment, he was upset, he was so upset with his wife, because she was not answering the phone, she wasn't coming up to visit him, that he wanted to hurry up and get out and do something that he might have regretted. And later on after i guess he heard me uh, speaking he said that he later found out that his wife had to pick up another job because the source of income was gone because the breadwinner was incarcerated and so i guess it kind of made him check himself to see you know what i got a, I got some problem with assuming i got some problem even with just being able to express myself for something you know so um you know, it, it just made me look at how sometimes, like you said, we often look at the victim, which is important. It's very important for us to look at the very victim, important. but also, if possible, even extend assistance to those people who may be abusers, you know. Right, right. Because
0: you, you have some people that, that are abusers that really do want to change, but they don't know how to because they've been, their norm has been violence. Their norm has been anger. Their norm has been handling, you know, um, being in unhealthy relationships. Maybe they saw their mother, their father, you know, fighting in the home, having unhealthy relationships. So this is this has been their, you know, it's their norm. And so it's their lens and how they see everything, right? So if your lens is broken, your your perspective is broken, everything you see is going to be from a, a broken, you know, um, a broken scope. And so um, I remember one, some, some years ago, I was working as a... Uh, co-located domestic violence, child welfare advocate. And that's where um, I was co-located inside a child welfare office. And I actually went out with um, child welfare investigators to homes where, uh, you know, families were experiencing domestic violence. Uh, one of the things that I was not allowed to do was go into a home where there was a perpetrator present. But in this particular case, there was a perpetrator that was present. Law enforcement could not get him to calm down. And I asked law enforcement if they would give me a, you know a second to talk to him. Maybe I could get him to calm down a little bit. And, of course, that, you know, by the grace of God, they allowed me to do that. And as I'm starting, you know, as I began to have this conversation with this, this perpetrator, this man, you know, he begins to really pour out his heart to me. And, he, you know, he's telling me about his upbringing and, you know, how his dad abused his mom, how his dad was on drugs, and he saw his mom. So this is how he grew up in the home. This is what he learned. So a lot of these perpetrators, you know, and I'm saying there's, there are some monstrous people out there that just, you know, they may not be able to get, you know, Battery accountability may not be the thing for them, but for those that, you know, have grown up in these homes, have learned these behaviors and really just do have a desire to want to change change and shift things around, they need programs that would help them unlearn what they learned growing up. So a lot of times it's just a matter of working, you know, with, with the perpetrators and building programs that's going to help them unlearn, um, you know, what they've learned and, and, and also, you know, um, hold them accountable. Just like you said, you know, you have a conversation with that young man, he began to think. There's maybe there's something that you said to him that, you know, caused him to begin thinking about his own actions and his own behaviors and like, oh man, you know, I, I know I need to change his behavior. So a lot of times it's that they don't even, they're not even self-aware that their behavior is not normal and that it's affecting everything and everyone connected to them because it's their norm.
1: Yes. Yeah. Also, <clears throat> I'm glad you mentioned about the, um, the children earlier, um, Oftentimes, when we think about the uh, abuse, domestic violence, and stuff, uh, we think about, like you said, the, the the victim, the abuser, but even just bringing up the children, what they see—they seeing their mom abused, or their father abused, or they seeing their father abusing the mother or the stepmother or whatever. Um, what type of assistance that the children need when they have witnessed? Those kind of things. We know the the long term, like you said, for them to be able to understand that. Hey, look, uh, just because this happened or you grew up in that way, it doesn't mean that you have to you know, uh, participate like that. But just the, the the drama or the trauma that they have uh, witnessed, or uh, what type of um, assistance do the children need in in that kind of situation?
0: So the first thing I would I would say to your question, uh, Brother Prater, is um, the number one thing they need first is safety. Getting them out of that environment and putting them in a more safe place. Um, and then um, you know they're going to need they're going to need some therapeutic services, some counseling. Um, they're going to need you know all the support, the same support that the adult um, you know survivors needs. It's the same support that the, the child needs. Um, a lot of times we are working with The parents who are experiencing domestic violence, so we're forgetting that children are suffering in the background just as much as the parent is suffering. Right? Um, Statistically, we know that children that experience violence in the home, they do poorly. They do they do more poorly in school than those that are not experiencing domestic violence. Um, They also do you know they also have uh, poor relationships. So they you know they manage their relationships more poorly than those that didn't grow up in a home where there was domestic violence, and so the same help that the victim, the adult victim needs, that same assistance and same support that child needs that as well needs it, needs it as well. And um, I also want to add to that that uh, as it relates to the faith-based community, I think that it's important to know that a lot of times when survivors are trying to heal and overcome domestic violence, one of the ways that they do that is through their um, religious practices um, or through their faith, right? And so for that reason, it's so important that, um, you know, our, our leaders in, in, the, in the church communities and the faith-based communities, that they become, uh, you know, more aware and knowledgeable about domestic violence so that they know how to assist um, victims that are trying to overcome this, and even perpetrators. I remember, um, and just to give you a little background about me, um, so I told you guys earlier that I was, you know, I was raised in a home where there was domestic violence and um, at the age of 13, my mother, she put me out of the home, and um, at the age of 14 and a half, I uh, was forced to get married, so I got married at 14 and a half, and I remember when I was about 16, 17, I was going to church with my abuser, and I remember like it was yesterday, we stood up in church at 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 the, you know, the altar, and we were asking for prayer, and one of the things that the time my husband and my ex-husband now he was he didn't want to he didn't want to continue hitting on me right and so um that was it he he gave us some prayer and we moved on like it was nothing like it was supposed to just change you know the fact that he was hitting on me because he didn't understand domestic violence and and how to really help you know um this person who was reaching out for help because he he did not know how to control his behavior so i think that really knowing um and understanding domestic violence and how it impacts both the victims, survivors, children, the community as a whole. Um, I think it's very important when you're when you're talking about helping survivors that are trying to overcome.
1: Yes, and and to be honest with you, <clears throat> um, I talk about that that part pertaining to uh, the church. How we as uh, the church and ministers have to bring this up because this is something that's going on not only within our communities. It could be within our church and within our families. And uh, there have been times I have um, spoken to a, a minister, to some to, who might've been in domestic violence. And a, a couple of the excuses that I've heard, um, some of the young ladies have, well, a few of the young ladies have told me that their pastor told them they can't leave. Yeah. their Pastor told them don't leave because that's their ministry, you know, and, 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 uh, i've had someone tell me well you know um my pastor told me god hate divorce i said yes but god hate domestic violence too you yes. know and and uh unfortunately there was a, a pastor that told their member um do better not leave and unfortunately that victim ended up getting killed by her husband and mm. so stuff like that it, it it really is a sensitive thing to me and this is before I lost my sister. And so now when I hear domestic violence, you know, we can't just uh, mask it. We just can't overlook it. We have to bring it up because you never know who's going through it. And funny thing is you never can assume that someone is not going through it. I know a lot of first ladies, a lot of first ladies that was abused by the pastor, not just her husband, the pastor, you know, and so, so with that, like I said, I just want you to uh be able to just share even on that particular um that topic right there, whatever you want to share with that, you're welcome to. I just want you to just have the floor at that time at the time. Well
0: well thank you, Brother Prater. I wanna say this that, you know, yes, God dislikes divorce, but he you know, he hates divorce, but he does not hate the divorcee. The foundational message of the Bible of, of God is love. God is a God of love, not a God of hate. A God who is good um, and wants to always do good for us will not want you to be in in a situation or in a marriage where you're being physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and even financially abused or manipulated, okay? So I know that a lot of times, you know, in, in this field, I've learned that a lot of times abusers will use religion and the word of God to manipulate Survivors, because or victims, because domestic violence at the end of the day is about power and control. They're going to do whatever they can, you know, to make sure that you're under their manipulation, their power, and their control. But I'm here to tell you that God is a God of love, and uh you know His grace is sufficient. Okay, your 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 future, your past, I'm sorry, your future is already God's past. He already knew that you were going to come to this point, that you were going to file for a divorce, that you're because he has given you the grace to be able to go through that and to do what you have to do to be able to remain safe. Okay. So um, I know that, you know, a lot of times we think that we're going to, you know, we, we have that condemnation, but Jesus didn't come to condemn us. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction, but he did not come to condemn us. He's already given his life up for you to have freedom and whom the Son sets free is free. Indeed, there's freedom in Christ. So if you find yourself in a situation that where there is abuse, you're in a marriage where there's abuse, you're in a relationship where there's abuse, that is not love and that is not of God, okay? And so for those of you that are married and struggling to, you know, to file for divorce or to leave your your marriage because of the domestic violence, again, yes, God does hate divorce, but he does not hate the divorcee. Um, So that would be my my message for those of you that are, um, you know, in the church um, that are experiencing domestic violence, okay, you know, Find someone, find someone that you can trust, that you can disclose what's happening. Um, you know, get yourself a safety plan, you know, uh, whether it's figuring out your next steps, you know, figure out who your support systems are. Um, create yourself, a, you know, um, I always tell people, create a safe board that you can share with someone. that So when you are in danger, something is happening to you, you can call this person or reach out to this person. When they hear this, this you know, this safe board that you've created with them, they know that you're in danger and they can send help for you. But if you're in the faith-based community, just know that God loves you and, and there's nothing that you are experiencing or will do in the future that he has not already given you grace to go through.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Also, uh, I feel the need uh, to bring this up. Can you please explain to those who may be going through domestic violence that it's not their fault? Yes.
0: Yes. Um, so... There's nothing that you will ever do that would cause a person to, to hurt you, to harm you, um, to diminish or you, know, you or uh, minimize you in any type of way. So if you're experiencing domestic violence, it is not your fault. That is not a you issue. That is a them issue. That is a them issue. And they need help. You, it's not your fault. So, you know, um, the word of God also tells us that there is no shame. So if you are experiencing domestic violence and you're not reaching out because you're ashamed, know that there is no shame in Christ. Again, there's nothing but freedom in him. So if you find yourself in bondage due to your uh, religious or spiritual beliefs, know that that's not freedom because, again, the word of God says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed, right? And so, um, again, there's, you know, God is my – I'm going to end it by saying that God is a God of love. There's no way that a good God, that a sovereign God, a God who – who paid the price for you to be free would want you to be in a situation where you're in bondage, where you're oppressed, where you're being abused, where you're being talked to in any kind of way, where you're being controlled and manipulated. That is not of God. That is not of God.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Now, um, for those who may want to get in contact with you, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, do you mind? Uh, first of all, do you mind sharing some closing remarks to really, really just help someone who may be trying to make a decision if they're going to stay or if they're going to leave. Because, uh, you know, for those who have never been in it, they can't speak about, they can't speak uh, on behalf of those who are in it. And, you know, sometimes those who are in or have been in it, they understand the the stronghold that may be, that person may be dealing with. So um, can you give those who may be on the fence of should they, lay, should they leave, should they stay? Just in case someone may be on the fence, can you give them some words to help them get off the fence?
0: Of course. So I um, want to say that self-love is, is everything. Um, knowing that, um, you know, your worth, your value, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, again, that God paid the price for you to be free. That a God that loves you, would not want to see you in a situation where you're, where you're being abused. Um, so, you know, know that everything that you need to be able to make the decision to leave, to be able to get the strength that you need, it's already been placed inside of you, okay? For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It's already in you. Everything you need, all you have to do is just get on your knees and pray and ask God to help you draw out everything he's given you to be able to leave that situation. I'm I'm telling you, I work with women every day. I've been doing this for 11 years and I'm on the other side of it. Again, I'm a survivor in my childhood, in my adult life as well. And I am on the other side. So I know that if I can get on the other side of it, you can too. One of the things that I always tell women, you know, when you're, when you're in that place of trying to make a decision, one of the ways that God speaks as well is through peace, you know? Um, And a lot of times, you know, you know, some things are just, especially when it comes to to the Bible. Some things are more, I want to say, common sense. Um, Again, we know that God is a God of love. He does not want us to be in a situation where there is abuse. And nothing is going to change until you make that first step. You have to choose and and make that decision to leave. Sometimes the hardest decisions to make, um, you know, in that moment, become the best decisions you will ever make. But you can't and you won't know it until you get on the other side of that decision, right? And so if you want to experience a better way, a better life, a better outcome, then you have to make the decision to say, you know what, this is not good for me. This is not good for my children. This is affecting me in this way and that way. And I have to get out of here. And you have to make that decision for yourself. So it's about loving yourself. And then remembering that if you have kids and you're in a domestic violence situation, it's not only impacting you, it's impacting your kids also, right? And they're watching you. Remember, we talked about the impact of domestic violence on children in their adult life. So what is impacting you right now, what's impacting them right now um, as children is going to have a long-term effect, right? And so you have a responsibility as well to yourself and to those kids to be safe, to create a safe environment, and to be in an atmosphere where there's love and not abuse.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope that for someone who may be watching or listening, for those who may be just, like I said, on defense of should they stay, should they leave, I hope this helped you to understand that this is not God's will for you. Also, always tell people, just in case you have put down some type of um uh, legal actions, if it's um, a restrainer order, if it's some type of a uh, charge, please, please, please don't back out. Please stick to your gun.
0: Stand firm. Stand firm. Again, <laughs> without accountability. You have to hold that person accountable for their actions. And, you know, if you don't hold them accountable, say, for example, you don't hold them accountable and you leave that situation, that person is going to go on to perpetrate someone else. And maybe that person he perpetrates next won't be as lucky as you, won't be able to get out of that situation. Maybe, you know, he, he goes on and, and he ends someone else's life. You know, he ends, you know, someone's life, right? But because you hold them accountable in some way, that, that may make the difference between whether or not. He goes out and he perpetrates again or her harms somebody in a worse way the next time around.
1: Yes. Thank you for sharing that, cuz. It breaks my heart. I see it all the time. There's a whole line of young ladies I see uh, in, the, in the courtroom. They're pressing charges, and then you see them a couple of days later. They want to drop everything you know they think because well you know they have been some time apart that maybe that person learned their lesson and stuff you know and it like I said, it hurts my heart and especially when they bring in the kids you know yeah. so i i thank you so much so much for um for sharing uh if you don't mind even sharing some information just in case those who may want to get in contact with you or Uh, maybe some facilities they may go to in case someone who may be watching who want to just go ahead and go right now to get some help, seek some some shelter, can you uh, let them know where they should go?
0: Of course, absolutely. So um, again, I mentioned earlier that I work with Mosaic Family Services, and the number for our our hotline department is 214, area code 214-823-4434. And if anyone would like to speak to me directly, um I can be reached down my work cell, which is 469-347-5049. So I'll repeat those two numbers again. The hotline number for Mosaic Family Services is 214-823-4434. And my work cell is 469-347-5049. Okay. Sure. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Okay. Also, uh, for those who may be watching or listening, thank you so much for coming in. What we're going to do, those who um, are, um viewers on here know that, first and foremost, that there is nothing to offer God. And we always tell people, no matter what it looks like, as long as God is on the throne, there is a way out. So I want you to know it's not a coincidence that you so happen to be watching this, for you to get some great information from some professional people who are very seasoned in this situation. So what we want to do, we want to make sure that you know that we love you. We don't have to know you, but we love you, and we want to be here to help you regardless of how long you've been in it. You can get out and know that God has allowed you to have a community of people that is here for you, with you, And so, uh, what we're gonna do? We're gonna have Miss Flo to come and give us a word of prayer. And I want you to really just think. I want you to really just focus and allow God to speak to you through her right now.
0: In the name of Jesus, thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory tonight, God, for who you are and what you're doing in the lives of your children, God. Lord, you see the oppression, God, that your children are experiencing, God. If there's anyone out there is listening to this podcast tonight, is experiencing domestic violence, or knows someone that's experiencing domestic violence, God. I just pray to your God that you would give them the wisdom, the strength, and the knowledge to navigate through the situation, God, in a way that you're calling them to navigate, God, To um, that they would learn how to get on their knees, God, and seek wise counsel from you, God, that you would open up doors and bring in the right support systems, God, but most importantly, God, that you would come in, God, into their hearts, God, and begin to give them the strength they need, God, that you would cast out all the fear and all the anxieties it has, Heavenly Father, because there is no fear in you, God. Fear comes from the enemy, Heavenly Father. We know, dear God, that we can do all things, all things, God, through Christ's strength and us, God. So with you, all things are possible, God. And we we come against God, demonic, Heavenly Father, oppression, God, that, that, that has plagued your children, God, through violence and abuse, God. And we just thank you, Heavenly Father, God, that you're sending in help, God. We thank you, God, that you're covering the children, God. That you're covering those homes, God. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give that woman tonight, God, that's listening to this podcast, the strength, God, to reach out for help, God. That you, uh, Heavenly Father, would would remove, Heavenly Father, the 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 zipper on her mouth, God. That she would begin, Heavenly Father, to to find those support systems that she can trust and speak out to, God. That she can uh, receive the help that she needs, Heavenly Father. We thank you, God, for your angels that protect your children, God. We thank you, Heavenly Father, even for that man that's sitting there tonight. God is listening to this podcast. God, that may be experiencing abuse. God, we thank you that there is no shame in what he is going through. God, and we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have already sent help, God, because our future, God, is your past, God, and anything that we go through, God, we have the victory because you died on that cross for us to have victory. Heavenly Father, there is nothing too small, nothing too big for you, God. You are the God of the impossible. We just thank you for healing. We thank you for restoration. We thank you for wholeness, Heavenly Father. We thank you, God, that this, this issue, God, that is affecting our, 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 our world, our nation, God, that, that we are talking about it. It is being exposed by the spotlight of the Holy Ghost, Heavenly Father. And we just thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are wrapping your arms around your children, God, all of those that have been affected by domestic violence in some shape, way, or form, Heavenly Father. We thank you, dear God that you're strengthening communities, God, and that this issue is being talked about, God, and healing is beginning, restoration is beginning, God. And we just thank you that you're creating new programs and new resources, God, um, for those that need to help, God, to receive, God, to be able to escape such a horrible and horrific situation, Heavenly Father. We just thank you, dear God, It is just the most precious thing we pray. Amen. We thank you for Brother Prater, Heavenly Father, for allowing us to have this platform tonight to come on here and inspire and, and, and transform and just raise awareness of, against this issue, Heavenly Father. We thank you for who you are, God, because you are amazing, God. There is nothing, God, that you would not do for your children, God. You said that those that put their trust in you, God, you are well pleased with them, God. So tonight, God, I pray for those that don't know how to trust you, God, that you would begin to teach them, Heavenly Father. You would give them the courage to trust and believe that you are exactly who you say you are, Heavenly Father. You are a God that... Keeps your promise, God. And you were faithful. You're faithful all the time, Heavenly Father. For you will never leave us nor forsake us, God. And we can find our peace in you, God. We can find our joy in the midst of the storm in you, God. And we just thank you for your protection, God. In Jesus' most precious name we pray, amen. Amen and amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. I, first of all, on behalf of the, I receive it. We receive it. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for your prayers. And, you know, that that's something that we all need. We all need, we all need prayer. And even when you're in a situation where you feel like you're hopeless, know that there is nothing too hard for God. I want you to not give up. Don't give up on escaping. Don't give up on yourself. Do not allow the devil to make you feel that this is the end. Do not let the devil make you feel that you're going to die in this. You can overcome this. But understand that we are here to help you. Do not feel because you got yourself in this, you're going to have to deal with this on your own. The devil is alive. Regardless of how you get, how you got in it, we can help you get out. God is here to help you to get out. So I want you to know that we are family. Like the song says, we are family. We are family, regardless if real related by blood or related by love. We are family, and we are here to help, and also praying for the abuser, praying for the abuser. I want you to know that that's not your identity. You don't have to take that. Just because it happened to great-granddaddy, granddaddy, granddaddy, or your daddy, does not mean that you have to take that upon yourself, upon your identity. You don't have to. You don't have to, and I'm praying against the generational curses. Yes. This is uh, a generational curse that that the devil wow. tried to take so many of our families out. Yes. But like we have some survivors here; these are survivors. Yes. And I want you to know, matter of fact, um, I don't want to say this person's name, but just today it just so happened I was looking, and there was a, a Hollywood actor that was an abuser, and he ended up getting help. Mm-hmm. And I did not know until today that he was an abuser but I thank God this is a reminder to all of us that God can heal God can deliver anybody that wanna yeah. be delivered. Mm-hmm. So I, I thank you Miss Flo I thank you so much for you to be able to provide your wisdom, your insight, your prayers and your revelation. Mm-hmm. I think and I want you to know that we praying for your ministry. And we're praying that God continues to help you to be able to be that trumpet that's going to help so many people. And we're praying that God continue to help you and give you the funding that is needed to help you to go Mm -hmm. on and to continue this assignment that God has you on.
0: Amen, amen. Thank you. I do want to say one thing before we close. Uh, So so I want to say that, you know, one of the most important conversations you will ever have is the conversation you have with yourself, okay? Um, And... Remember that the enemy's greatest, his, his not greatest, but his best costume, the way that he hides himself, is through your voice. What you tell yourself, you're going to believe because it's your voice that you're listening to, right? So, you know, you have to be very cognizant and aware of what you're telling yourself, okay? Um, you, you, you have everything. Again, let me remind you, you have everything it takes and everything you need to be able to leave and escape a domestic violence situation. Everything you need has been placed inside of the strength, the courage, the, the the wisdom, the knowledge. You just have to ask God to help you draw it out. God, show me what you place inside of me and show me how to draw it out so that I can leave the situation that I know is not your will for my life.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Look here, that was necessary. That was necessary. I thank you so much. Um We want to give... Praise the Lord to God for allowing this meeting and also a special guest. We want to add on to let, because all this was possible through God and through this individual right here, Miss Nikki Jackson. Thank you so much. Thank you for look, being the glue, being the connection, being the connector of this meeting. Thank you so
0: much. And thank you um, again. Thank you. Mr. Um, Prater. Ms. Floyd, Ms. Lynn, thank you for sharing your story, because, again, a lot of times when you're in it, you don't, you don't think it's a way out. And so, again, thank you for sharing the platform. Thank you for bringing awareness. Thank you for giving some, letting someone know that they're not alone. A lot of times, again, when you're in it, you think that you're alone. And so what our organization does, just to clean with goals, we just want to be that safe place where we bring the expert speakers like yourself. To be able to again to bring awareness to the community to let everyone know that we're not they're not alone. Thank you, thank you, thank you for
2: having me. Thank you again. I'm I'm honored. I'm
1: how they say I'm tickled pink. This this has been this has been very 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 edifying, Uh, not just naturally which is important, but spiritually too. So I. Thank you so much. And for those like I said, for those who wanna uh support their information will be added on to the link and also what we're gonna do I didn't get a chance to um successfully have the uh, audio version, but what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna get the file of this to be added on so that way for those who wanna uh listen to it on Spotify or uh, all the other Uh, podcast platforms, they're welcome to listen. And I'm praying that this right here, this will be the beginning of something that's gonna change the world, change our families and change our communities. So I thank you all so, so, so much. And this is one of many conversations that we're gonna have. And Mm -hmm. also in the future, um, I'll just say that these faces that you see, maybe the first time you see them, but it sure won't be the last. So I thank you all so, so, so much. And like I said, we're going to continue to be praying for Miss um, Lynn. Thank God for her. Uh, Miss Flora, thank you so, so much. Miss Nikki, thank you so much. And I want to encourage each and every one of you all, if you know something, if you see something, say something, just in case you know someone who may be going through, you know, con- of course, like she said, Pray for them, but even have that conversation with people. Please, 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 please have that conversation. And also talk to your children. Talk to your children about it because you'd be surprised. Some of these young people, but we would think that we're going to wait till they turn maybe 30, 31 to have the conversation about, you know, dating or sex or whatever like that. But, hey, you'd be surprised what they're learning in schools now. So by all means, let's have that conversation. And so with that being said, I thank each and every one of y'all for tuning in to Reconnect My Heart. We thank y'all for the great guest. And please, please, please do not take this subject lightly. Even though this is a, a Domestic Violence Awareness Month, but we should be reminded about this daily. So with that being said, I thank you all so much, and I'm praying that y'all have sweet sleep. And a peaceful rest and allow God to minister to you while you sleep. And mm-hmm. so you can wake up, refresh, renewed, be able to do what he has for you to do, regardless if it's at the job or at the house. You're doing the will of God.
0: So Amen. with that being
1: said, I thank you all so much. And thank you for listening to Reconnect My Heart. God bless you and good night. Good
0: night.